This morning we continue to look at the letters of Paul. We're in Colossians, the first chapter, first through the 14th verse. You can, it includes a salutation from Paul as he wrote the church at Colossia, which is in modern-day Turkey. This was an early Christian outpost. Paul is writing to the sisters and brothers in Christ. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ and Colossia, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before and the word of the truth, the gospel, that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so has it been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Ephesians, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now as we gather here, we're looking at the idea that we are gathered as a people of the gospel. Just like this early church in Colossia, we are a part of the God's uh, building the kingdom that he is doing. Our God is building a living gospel, and we are part of that. So when Paul is writing this church, he shares the greetings. He starts out in the first verse uh, of there, and he says, Paul, he identifies himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy. Now, Timothy is a third-generation Christian, the first one we have record of, Timothy, of course, had his grandmother and mother saved, and Timothy was the third generation of that. In a lot of ways, he's like us. He's a legacy of the faith. So Timothy is a young man. Uh, he's filled with the Spirit. He's doing a great work. He's traveled with Paul often. Uh, we think he even helped Paul to write certain letters. He was probably the scribe that helped Paul to write because his eyesight was failing him. It seems like when he was converted on a Damascus road, the lightning or the bright flash uh, may have had lingering effects. But in this case, Paul is writing, and he says, I will show you a for your 
draw me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. So he acknowledges here in these first verses that uh, we're in a struggle in the faith that we live. It's not an easy faith to hold on to because the world is working against the very thing we believe in. So Paul is writing this by the will of God and the, and the saints, and he's writing it to the sisters and brothers in Christ, we're in Colossia. Now, I've known many bishops in my life when I worked uh, up in the mountains, and I got to work with many bishops. And a lot of the bishops love to say, sisters and brothers, sisters and brothers. You may remember some of the bishops we've had, such as Bishop Edwards and others, who would say that, sisters and brothers, or brothers and sisters. Uh, what that means is that Christ claimed us as his family. He even says that in the Gospels where he said, you are my mother, you are my brother, you are my sisters. In other words, we are the family of God. So when he says sisters and brothers, it's not just a word. He's actually saying that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. That's not just a common saying. That's a Christian saying where we offer grace to people and we also offer peace. Now let's look at what the, so Paul is sharing here. He says, in our prayers for you, we always thank God in the third verse, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's laying the groundwork of the early church and saying the church is built on prayer. Every time I've ever worshipped my entire life, prayer has always been a part of it. Every Sunday that we gather, we pray. We have the pastoral prayer. We have silent prayer. We have the Lord's prayer. We pray during the service. We pray at the beginning. We pray at the end. We are praying people. Scientists have done studies and have determined prayer actually works. It increases not only the healing rate, but the metabolic rate of people and makes them feel better. Prayer is, is and should be a part of our everyday life. And he says in our prayers for you, we always thank God. In other words, our prayers are based in giving God the glory. It's not just the list of saying this is what we need. We come to God in prayer and we ask uh, the Lord to bless us, but first we acknowledge he is our God. We thank God and our Father and also our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray through him. He continues in the fourth verse, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. So already this early church is serving as an example of good Christian living. Uh, we need to look at this and understand that, that what we do serves as an example to the world. And a church that is faithful is like a light on a hilltop and it shines for everyone to see. He says, we have heard of your faith. Now, how did they hear? They didn't have internet back then. They didn't even have telephones. He heard it by word of mouth because people uh, were talking about this church and how it was doing God's good work and love and all the things that are part of that. And so Paul is talking about their faith being an example. If you want to know how most people come to faith, it's through the faith in others. They come by an example. When someone's a good Christian believer, believe me, that example will help others to be good Christian believers, especially family members. 
So if you exemplify the faith of Jesus Christ and you say your daily prayers and you share a prayer even before a meal and, and you live the life that God is calling you to live, you're not only blessing your life by his presence, you're blessing others. It's like a light that shines. So the better you are, the better those around you are. I don't know if y'all had heard, I'm certain that some have, like Miss Kathy and others, but when I went to Harnett Central years ago, uh, I played a little in the sports and things like that, and I was known uh, as Richie Cunningham. Some of you don't remember Happy Days, but that was a show, and Richie Cunningham was a clean-cut, all-American kid, um, and I didn't use bad language. Understand, I just did not do that, and when I would go, and we'd go to practice, and uh, Different guys had colorful language and things like that. I never said a bad word. I would get angry sometimes and get mad and do what, you know, guys do. But, but I just would not do that. And I noticed after a while, the players around me, the students, quit using bad language. I never got on them. I never told them and said, you need to watch yourself. I just didn't do it. And I noticed I was a good apple in a bad barrel, you know. We always hear about the bad apple and the good barrel spoiling things where the good apple can make things better. So the better you are in your Christian living, the more people around you will be lightened and inspired for the angels of their better nature. So Paul is saying to the early church, you're doing good deeds and it's showing because people are starting to let this revolutionary idea of a loving God, a compassionate God, a forgiving God, a redeeming God into the world. Because understand the only gods they knew, like you heard in, in the reading there of the gods, the only gods they knew in the ancient world were vile and they were vicious and they were manipulative. They were evil. They were bad, bad ideas of deity. They were the worst of our characteristics projected onto divine figures. And here comes the real God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who is a loving God, a forgiving God, a redeeming God, a sustaining God, a God who is our father, a God that we are the family members of. And so this church is showing example of that. And he says, because in the fifth verse of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel. There's the whole meaning of the sermon today, the gospel. What is the truth? What is not the truth? I read the other day something and I'm still trying to figure out, I don't know if I ever can, but they say in quantum physics that when you look at the stars, did you have some stars uh, up there? So Brad, can you show stars? Uh, there was the picture, I think, um, maybe in the greeting. Yeah, there we go. Well, that's planets, but there's stars. Let's use that one. Okay, when you see the stars, you're actually seeing what's taking place eons ago in the creation that God made of the heavens and the earth. Closest star is Alpha Centauri, which is about 4.3 light years away. It would take that long at the speed of light to reach this other star. These stars that we see could go out now, and we wouldn't even know it because we're seeing just something of the ancient past of God's creation. Well, I read the other day that in uh, the understanding of quantum physics, it's called entanglement. When you look at these stars, you're perceiving them, and according to quantum physics, you can alter them if you entangle with them. In other words, you can change the past by looking at the past. 
I, I tell you, it's mind-blowing. This stuff is mind-blowing. We're starting to look at the truth of God's eternal truth in the nature of the world we live. And the more we look at it, the more we realize we don't know a thing. <laughs> I mean, this is a complicated creation that God has made. And people have tried to make the truth into what they want instead of what God wants. And the truth is God is remaking everything and everyone. He is remaking us by his grace. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel. So the gospel is able to overcome obstacles. It's able to overcome challenges. If you think your life is such that you can't be forgiven or you can't live a good life, the gospel allows your life to be forgiven and you are let free and let go in God. In other words, Paul is saying to this church, I know you came out of a pagan society. I know the city was pagan-based when I arrived there, but you have been freed by this teaching of the gospel. Therefore, live into this freedom. In other words, what God is saying, even by this uh, illustration of the stars, he's able to save us. No one else can. No other thing can. The only hope we have is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is reminding the church the only salvation we have is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And let me throw a little caveat in here, just a little extra. I, I can't figure out what's going on right now in our church. I'm talking about our church in particular, but in our denomination and in the larger church. It seems like we've lost sight of this amazing and wonderful and all-powerful God who is able to redeem and overcome all things, and we become no more than a social uh, club with adjustments about who can have membership and who can't. Something has been lost in the process of us worshiping God, and we end up being no more than just a cult of particular beliefs instead of, of faith of a true religion, of a true God. I don't think God cares if, if, if we wear a green shirt or a blue shirt, but he does care if we wear a shirt. He cares if we're garbed. He cares because he made clothes for us. He wants us to be uh, of, of a just noble understanding. He wants us to know that we are the children of God, that we are the temples that the Holy Spirit dwells in. So Paul is saying that this truth it's not based on an understanding or opinion like I told somebody last night. Somebody called me last night. They wanted to talk. And they said, what is the truth? And I said, you know, somebody else asked that a long time ago. He was a man who stood in judgment over Jesus. And he said, what is the truth? And Jesus just looked at him. He didn't even know that the truth was standing there right in front of him, embodied in a person named Jesus. He thought the truth was some abstract idea. We can't even determine if those stars are real or not up there. Our, our science isn't so particular. The truth is um, the world is in constant motion and change, but the only truth is the gospel. And I said to them as the answer to what is the truth, and I said the truth is not my opinion. It is a principle that I hold to. It is not what I think, it's what God thinks of me. The truth is God loves me and he loves you. No matter what you think, he does. And he is saying that to the early church. The truth is this gospel that you are so loved that I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to make your life better. 
And I'm going to help you through this trouble that you're in. I'm going to help you through this trial that you are in. See, the truth is God cares about us. And he loves us and he is doing something about it. So let's get to what he is doing. This truth that has come to you just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. So it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. In other words, God's truth is growing in us as the people. So why is it there's so many lies? Why is it there's so much division? Why is it our society is all backwards and what used to be right is wrong and what used to be wrong now is right? And I have the worst of professions because people use don't preach to me as an insult. And that's what I am. I'm a preacher. You're using my title of my career choice, what God has called me to as an insult with this society that doesn't want to be preached to, yet when it needs to hear the truth, it's not able to hear it because his ears are deafened to not hear it. And here we're hearing that not only is this a struggle, but good is winning. Don't let what some have called the false news out there spread. Good is winning. It may not look like good is winning. It may seem trouble that we wonder is really good winning. It is winning. And the reason I know it is winning is that light always beats the darkness. Because there's one thing I know, that star may be a long way away and that star may be shining in a whole different place that God has created, but we can still see it. And even old ancient Confucius was smart enough to know, don't curse the darkness just light a candle. I um, read that in a Chinese restaurant one time and it was fortune cookies. The fortune cookies used to be a great source for my sermons and my theological development of fortune cookies. But lately, these fortune cookies are crazy. It's like they hired somebody in the Bronx to be writing these things. It's like, uh, uh, let me out. I'm trapped in a Chinese cookie factory or something. I, I don't know. That's, that's a joke. That's, that's a really bad joke. Uh, See, the truth, uh, when you go eat your Chinese this week and you break it open, don't think that fortune cookie is going to be the truth, even though it may be. And one guy said he won the lottery because he used the you know, numbers off the back of the fortune cookie. Um, that's, that's pretty desperate. I mean, you can't even come up with numbers on your own and you got to borrow some other numbers. I even suggested in seminary that we start making Christian cookies. Uh, we call them Christian blessing cookies. Uh, in fact, I even had the idea to invent at one point a little prayer box that you could put at a table. And so before you eat, you press a number and you'll get a prayer, a certain prayer from the Old Testament. You may get an ancient, uh, just Gregorian chant prayer. But nobody ever wanted to fund my idea. I still think it's a good idea, people pushing a button and having prayer before a meal. See, God's truth is that he loves us. And he says, not only have you seen this, you learned it. Uh, and you have seen it in others that have come, faithful ministers. In the ninth verse, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God, with an all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, here, here's an important point about the Christian faith the Christian faith is not a single activity, it is a layering effect. Same way when you're playing football. And you practice. And you're the center, right? You play the center and you play, I don't know, it's maybe linebacker, I don't know, but you play center. 
And you know there's different techniques, right? Um, and the more you practice, then the better you get. If you don't practice, uh, there's maybe one or two people that have a natural gift, but most people have to practice. And the Christian faith requires practice. So people that only come at Christmas aren't going to be in good spiritual health throughout the year. We need to come every week. We need to hear the gospel. We need to sing the songs. We need to say the prayers. We need practice of this faith. We need good to splash on us just a little bit to get us through the week that we live because the world requires that we understand. See, practice does make perfect. Practice makes perfect. For this reason, he says, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you. In other words, every day we are, we are growing in this faith that we believe in Jesus Christ and the wisdom and understanding. And he says the purpose of this practice is so you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit and every good work and you grow in the knowledge of God. Now, now that is important. Are we living lives worthy of Jesus Christ? Well, I'm a preacher and I'm supposed to say this. No, we're not. <laughs> That's what preachers are paid and are supposed to say. The Lord requires we tell people like prophets, uh, we are prophets, we are priests, we are pastors, and we are preachers. The four P's of being in my role is that sometimes we just got to preach and say to people, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. What's wrong with you? You know better than this. What, who hit you on the head? What, what is going on with you? Will you please grow up? I'm talking in general here. But you could use that clip against anything and anybody at any point and say the preacher just preached about uh, the person because we got people that are very confused. They're living lives that are a lie. They're not the truth. They're not living in the moment of pleasing God. It says to be fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit of every good work as you grow in the knowledge of God. And the more I come to know of God, the more I realize I need to know God. The more I grow in knowledge of God, the more I realize I do not understand the great complexity of the world. God made something here that is special. Infinite possibilities, finite probabilities, everything is in motion. God is constantly rewinding the entire universe to make our lives where we can get from point A to point B. Point A is this origin point, and point B is heaven. God wants us to be with him in heaven, and he is moving the heavens and the earth in perfect alignment to get us able to step into this relationship of getting from point A to point B. And when we're fully pleasing, we are traveling this path that God has made for us. And how do we know we're on the path? Because God will send us signs we're on the path. You ever had a moment where you said, I remember this? You ever had what they call the deja vu moment, you know? Understand to a spiritual person, that's not just a moment. That's a sign from God that you're on the right path. But don't let it be that uh, it's a path you're not supposed to be on. You know, the guys, he's flying down the road, and there's a sign that says uh, you need to stop, and there's another sign that says you don't need to keep going, and there's another sign that says uh, you need to slow down, and finally the guy just runs right off the bridge that had been taken out. <laughs> and he climbs out of the wreckage, and he climbs up the little hill, and the man, uh, you know, he's sitting at the cabin on the front porch, 
And he said, I saw you come flying down the road. And the man said, well, why didn't they tell me the bridge was out? And he said, you didn't read the signs. It kept telling you to slow down and you didn't listen to it. See, God's telling us, slow down. I mean, here in America, we're having a good time. We're doing what we're supposed to. So what does God say? You know, you need to change. So here, rumble, 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 rumble. Ridgewood, California, 4th of July. CNN News. Everybody going, oh, it's just plate tectonic of the Earth's surface. Uh, it's causing a fault, and this was a minor fault, and there was a rupture. You can see it from space. And here's the scientific reason of it. And God's going, what are you talking about? Wake up. Time to smell the coffee. Time to grow up. Time to realize that as a nation, if you don't turn back to me, I will take my mantle from you and give it to another. See, God is, is sending us signs and he's saying to us that we may grow in every good work and knowledge of God. You may be, in the 11th verse, you may, so you may be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power and may be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light. See, God has given us the power to overcome. Overcoming is not a great monumental thing. Overcoming is a simple step. Overcoming is a simple step of faith. Overcoming is that step that you make in your life when you know you're supposed to do something and you step into it and you let God have his way. Overcoming was the day that I started seminary and I reached the ark there, you know, there's an archway uh, and I was going to turn around and not go through seminary. I just felt like I could be a school teacher. <laughs> God bless me. All you school teachers, God bless you. And all of the students, God bless you. And I reached that arcway, you know, at Wake Forest, and I was going to turn around, and I was going to say no, and I was going to turn my back, and the Lord was uh, saying, no, don't do it, and he knew that I just needed help because he knew I needed strength, and lo and behold, here comes my sister walking up and saying, I'm so proud of you, daddy and mama are so proud of you, here, let me walk you to class the first day. Couldn't tell her no, you know. So I, she grabbed my hand, and we went walking hand in hand towards the class. And I started the seminary. And frankly, I would not have made it that day had she not been my strength because she gave me the strength I needed. And do not think you can carry this burden along. We need each other. That's why Jesus said, sisters and brothers. Because a family that, what, prays together, stays together. Amen to that. Don't let a trip start without there being a family prayer. When you go off to college, make sure the first action you do before you leave the house, Myra, is you say a prayer. You gather the family around. Give a big hug. If you have a pet, include them. They always love to be in the middle of things. Say a big old prayer. If it's a kitty cat, well, I don't know. Those kitties can be a mess. Say a prayer before you start a journey or you to do something because a family that stays together prays together the other way around works too giving thanks to the father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the light in other words we we can have an early present in this life we live and that present is the joy 
I, I noticed this morning, the children, they just get all excited about this, you know, and, and I do too. This is done so well. There was some hard work put into this now. Somebody was out here not Somebody was making sure that this thing is something. Isn't that something? Look, look at that. That's a, that's a lunar rover. It's sitting on the moon right now. If you get to the moon, you can claim it as yours. It's yours. It's open property. It probably still runs. And, and what's wrong with some of these people saying we've never been to the moon? Are they crazy? What is wrong with these people? I'm just going to say it flat out. They're not entitled to that opinion. That's just stupid. I was a little boy sitting in front of the TV with crisscrossed applesauce, and, and they are announcing water cronkite, you know, water cronkite, this is the way it is. And he was describing it, and now they're hovering, the lunar uh, you know, module is starting to touch down, and I'm like, oh, man, man, oh, man. I was just so excited. Daddy's going, Jerome, I can't see through your head. And I'm going, I got, got to see this, got to see this. And the family's all there. And I'm right in front of the TV glued to it. I used to sit that close to it. I had bad eyes, apparently. And they, and they uh, touched down. I went, whoa, baby, they touched down. And I'm jumping around the room. I'm so excited because my world just changed. Oh, other people had worlds with animals, donkeys, and horses, and they had carriages and maybe cars, but I got the moon. And the following week, I went up there, and I told my mother I needed a poster, and I got the biggest poster you can get on the moon and put it on my wall, and I memorized every crater on the moon. When I was a little boy, I used to sit up there and go, that's crater, that's crater, and I'd name it. Of course, my brain has lost all that through the years, but I was an expert on the moon. I knew the way to the moon. I knew how far away the moon was. I knew the, just the luminosity or the brightness of the moon. I realized the gravitational pull of the moon, the uh, just composite nature of the moon. Uh, I, I was an expert at the moon because, believe it or not, I wanted to be an astronaut. But God didn't want me to be an astronaut because I'm scared of heights. I really am. <laughs> Terrified of once got stuck on the roof of a parsonage and I couldn't get down uh, because the ladder was too far away and I was terrified. And I knew then that's probably weren't what I was going to be. But when I get my wings, I am going to fly and not going to be scared of heights. See, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the gospel is not an opinion, it is a principle. The gospel is the faith that we keep. Truth rules this place. This house is made with the truth. And that truth is Jesus is the Christ. He is our Savior and he loves us and he has done everything he can to save us. But the question is, have we taken the step towards that salvation? Have we claimed it for ourselves and our lives? And you being here today is an exemplar, and your faith is witnessing, even while our society is thinking of more important things to do. I can think of nothing more important to do for these young people this week than to be at this church learning about Jesus Christ. And if it takes Mars to open up their eyes, Perhaps that'll be their moment when they are changed and they see the possibilities with God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may see past this present moment and see what is to come. Let us be.
but with excitement over the changes that are taking place for the greater good as you reveal more and more of your creation to us. Lord, be with our vacation Bible school and all the classes that we may grow in grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our final